0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds.
1: Then we're live. Um, Welcome, everyone. It's Sunday night. I see Diana Forbes already in there. And um, hello back to you. So I'm thinking, like... So first of all, for if in case you're new, I need to be mindful of doing this because sometimes people are new um, and there's a lot going on uh, in my head and in the world. So it is Sunday night, which means we do Sunday night teacher talk, which is really just a safe space for teachers to show up. I answer questions. All these folks that are in the comment section will answer your questions also. So if you're even watching this on a relay or replay or something like that, like all these people, especially like I'd say the first 20 or so people that pop up, um, are are willing to answer your questions most of the time anyway right so i don't know have the answers to everything but i do know people that know the answers to almost everything so uh that's that so it's that's the gig we answer all these questions some nights are like like everyone's at the house like all these kids are at the house and they leave like two minutes before we go live which is exactly what just happened and it's like you sit down to help people out right and we're just like all right Uh, like, can we do a shot for like? What's going on? Like, is there a glass of wine involved in this situation? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah,
2: we're on high speed all day. It seems like until we get, till we sit down for this. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) Um, and we got a new computer, which is a blessing. But like, it has been learning how to set that thing up for the last two days. Like, we got a new uh Apple computer now. It's making everything all wacky and stuff. So, look, if you have questions, go ahead and drop them in there. Um, also. As you are getting ready, I got I'm on um Vicky Davis's podcast tomorrow. So the cool cat teacher. I don't know why I can't say that normal. I have to say cool cat. Cool cat. It reminds me of uh who was that cat um, that we read the books to, the kids.
2: I know. What uh, was his name? Pete Cat.
1: Pete the Cat. Oh yeah. Pete the Cat in my head always sounded like Lando Cal Rizian. <laughs> so um I'm gonna be on that tomorrow. So you can check that on on either her YouTube channel or on iTunes and everywhere else. Like she has It'll be on Twitter and all this stuff. So it's only 10 minutes, but it was really good and it was really fun to do. Um, and I was really abnormally nervous about doing. I don't know why I was so nervous about oh, doing it. I remember, I was like freaking out a little bit.
2: Oh, I remember beforehand, and then
1: yeah. I felt like I did it. Cool, because just like
2: every other day, we have like a thousand things on our to-do list, and we get like five done, like every other normal person in
1: the yes. world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so cool. Uh what do we got? Any questions?
2: Oh. So go ahead and ask right. questions.
1: Um, Tracy Pinder saying Happy Cinco de Mayo. I forgot that was Cinco de Mayo. Oh uh, yeah. Um, May the what's up, everybody? Mm-hmm. Great for tomorrow. Hey, what's up? Hey, Rob, how are you? Uh, finally catching you live from Western Australia. Awesome. Um, a lot of people from Australia all the time. Niara from music is in here. Well, let's talk
2: about what I tried from Australia that I bought today that was a complete fail.
1: Oh wait, you can't blame all the people of Australia. No, but
2: it's not. But I just wonder if anybody—if this is a total US, like I'm a, I'm a
1: dog. I am a stickler about my garden. I realize this is not interesting to everyone, but I'm a stickler about my garden. I'll keep it short. Um, But when my dog pees on my grass, it makes it yellow, right? So it kills it. So my wife got these rocks that some guy was like, "Oh, they use them in Australia." They and, sell it
2: at the pet store, and it was
1: like you know, you know, put these rocks in your dog's bowl. Well, the doc, the dog didn't want freaking rocks in his bowl, so we just kept taking them out, getting water everywhere as he was trying to get them out. <laughs> then he would just hide them around the house. So then we just keep kicking rocks all day in the house, and and they're like, how come we, the dog won't drink his water? The kids were wondering. I'm like, because there's freaking rocks in it. There's never rocks in it before. It looks tainted.
2: Apparently these were supposed to be special, like rocks from special the, Australian rocks. rocks that had like a certain mineral. I guess that like yeah.
1: they were Hugh Jackman rocks. <laughs>
2: Compated the yellow pea, total fail, scam. Yeah.
1: They did not make for a good eye.
2: Magic rocks. See what Yeah, I did. See yeah. I did. yeah. Answer um, question. Well,
1: what do you got? Uh, I'll bet if I sing a song, it will help you find the right question.
2: Yep, that one. Here you go. Make sure Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't have a song yet, but, uh, Lexa Alana is saying, hi Reynolds. I'm so, or so I'm an aspiring teacher in high school. And I would like to ask for a teacher's advice. Every single one, but two have always tried to talk me out of it. It feels discouraging advice. So, um, look, I, you know, every, Oh, so every teacher except for two. So look, Alana or Lexi, um, I, that Was your last name anyway? Um, what did the I'm wondering what kind of teachers the ones are that are trying to talk you out of it, and which ones are the kind of teachers that are trying to talk you into it? Look, I mean, I've been I am not I don't know that I'm maybe I'm the a good person to ask this, maybe I'm not right because my whole life I've done stuff that people have tried to talk me out of, and sometimes eh, maybe it was a good idea, I don't really know. Like when I Wanted to be a drummer when I was a kid, like I got my stepfather did not like that idea, told me that was a terrible idea that I wouldn't make any money, blah, blah, blah. Um, When I wanted to be a clown, the whole family was like, serious, you want to be a clown? When I went to live in a monastery, when I thought about being a priest, when I went to go live in Africa, when I drove across the country by myself, when I um, and like lived in the back of my van in Walmart parking lots, because Walmarts are open 24 hours a day. So no one really thinks a crappy van outside of a Walmart has someone living in it. Yeah. Uh, Any number of things. And so teaching was actually the only thing I think people were finally like the folks in my family were sort of like, like, yeah, all right, this is like a a normal job. Like he's going to go get a normal job, not be a clown or frigging priest or something like that. So that was okay, But then when I told them where I wanted to teach, that I wanted to teach inner city, it became that conversation started over again in the neighborhood that we live in is like kind of a tough neighborhood uh, on purpose. Like we moved here with our friends to the same neighborhood, but like eventually like 50 people to try and be good neighbors. Like all that stuff was getting sort of like crapped on. And so I think that the, you know, if you do anything with enough conviction, it'll work out. Like, so you can tell your family, you're going to swim to Cuba, but if you have enough conviction and you practice enough and you're, and you're really, that's your passion, then go friggin' swim to Cuba. Like, I, I just wouldn't worry about it. Um, because it's your life. Like you're the one that has to look back. And do you want to have be that person that listened to everyone else? Like, you know, it's not to say that you can't take other people's advice. And I'm sure, you know, if at the root of it somewhere is, you know, whether it's your parents or whether it's teachers, they are wanting you to be safe. They're wanting you to be happy. They're seeing the shift in education. But like, Education has sucked for a long time. Like, like schools have sucked for a long time. This isn't a new thing. Uh, is he chewing something he's supposed to be chewing? Yeah. All right. So, uh, so it's about what are you going to do within the confines? That, like, like, like I just, I think it's a, it's a fight worth fighting. And so to get into it, into something that is potentially difficult, it's all right. Like, a lot of things are difficult when you get into them, but you get into them anyway. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of uh, from the jump um Stephanie Henry I was just thinking about you the other day yesterday uh okay 15 days left in the year trying to finish strong although they're not renewing my contract and so that you know I, I've often thought about that because I feel like before people leave the job like even the school that I'm at we we lose about 25 percent of our staff every year and for various reasons, like they want to go to another school or they want to go to be a lawyer or they want to live in France or something like that. Um, But about 25% of our staff leave every year and I always wonder like, how are they finishing out? And I think those that are not just angry at the school and stuff like that and focus on the students, finish out strong. The ones that realize that like you can continue to have relationship, depending on the grade, right? With students after you leave, like, I know teachers that have left years ago and they still keep up with students. They still keep up with them while they're in college and when they're done college and they, or they've left and they come back for high school graduation. Like, um, you know, O'Hara did that last year. That was like his last group of kids. And so he came back, he like flew all the way back from Minnesota, like see all those guys graduate and stuff like that. It was really great. So that is a thing. And so I, I think, if I had 15 days left and I wasn't coming back to that school, I would treat it like a total experiment. I would think of all the funnest stuff, the most meaningful stuff, the most lasting stuff that you can do with those students and start implementing some of those ideas and experimenting with them and seeing how they work. Like I use this time of year as as sort of uh, that, that time also to sort of experiment with as much different weird crap that I can think of because – I mean, you only have a few days left anyway, so just get after it. Um, and I'm sorry that you lost your job. That sucks, and it's really, really difficult. Uh, next one, Katherine Johnson is saying, how do you get kids to care about standardized tests? I hate them, but it's hard when you take time to prepare them to do well, and they just scratch it. Yeah, I get that too. Um, I do a couple of things. One, I will often give grades for the amount of time that you like put into it, or like if you like tried it or if you just gave up on it, I there's a grade attached with that. Um the other thing is talking to kids about why they would want to take them like so I, I don't teach to the test I'm trying to get this light, not look it does that thing all the time. Um, I, I'm just thinking like, what is a reason like, what's a why that you can give the students to keep taking the test like, what would their incentive be? Like, are they learning how to take a test? Do they need to know that for the future? Is it, um, do you want to, you know, is it the old, like how you do anything is how you do everything adage? Like, what is the reasoning for them having to do it? And then maybe even talk with them about it. Like, let them come up with their why. And then um, someone that I'm mentoring now, this woman, Jessica, uh, Jessica had her students write their whys down for her class. Like they got a piece of paper, they wrote why, and everyone had to write a why as to why they would do well in this particular class, and then they hung them all over the walls in the room so that that their why was up there. So whether it was your family or your dream job or everyone said you couldn't or um, you know your parents, you're in foster care, whatever it was, like all of their whys were up there on the wall. And I just I think that's a good move. It's a good reminder for students. Um, and getting them to remember why they're doing something and not how they're doing something, like the Ray Fesquith video that I put out the other day said. Um, I think that's a good move. So that's that's what I would do is, is have them come up with their why. Next one. Bam, oh, look at this three in a row. Uh, Liz is saying, Hi, thank you for all that you do. Thanks, Liz. I appreciate it. And I, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm an inspiring teacher leading my first 20 minute demo lesson this week. Any advice? I would say, do your best. And then lean into criticism, right? Like, no, go into it knowing you're not going to do, like, you, you would look back at this demo lesson and five, even a year from now, right? Or five years from now, and see all the places you fell short. Just know that that's how it's going to be, right? And then just lean into it, like, with that sense of vulnerability, with that sense of like, um, I'm going to just do the best that I can. And I know that I'll, Fall short of of somebody's idea of what this should be, but then also lean into that criticism. So when someone says, "Hey, maybe you could have done this better," or you could have done this. Like, dig into that. Say, "Well, how how would I do that? Like, what would that actually look like when I was doing this?" So I think sometimes when we're giving criticism, and I know because I'm a total narcissist, and I think that that I, I think you know this is a longer conversation, but I think there's like a dark side to that and a light side to that. Like it's it's I think there's a good Part to being a narcissist, and I think there's a dark side to being that as well. And I think the same with criticism, right? Um, when I get criticism because of that, it kind of hurts my heart. But then if I can learn to channel that and say, no, like I'm gonna lean into this, like tell me more about how I could change that lesson. Tell me how you would make that look, or like how do you envision that sort of like like I'm a visual learner. So like, like paint that picture for me. And I think that shows folks, that you're not afraid of this that you're not going to get defensive over what happened, but you're going to dig a little bit deeper because it's you wanting to get better. So you can be better at your crafts so you can be better for the students, better for the school. And I think that, sh- that has that, that shows that growth mindset that is um, so attractive in, in everyone that that has it is like wanting to grow. Like, Oh, tell me more. Like I planted seed but like tell me how I can care for it even more how I can put better the next time. Um, and that's what I would do. So good luck too. also that's really exciting. Um, I have a video up on Instagram somewhere of my first demo lesson where I have hair and I look like shaggy from Scooby-Doo. It's in there somewhere. Um, my buddy Nayara from China here I just like saying that all the time because it's amazing. Um, here's a question. are there music classes at your school? If so, what do they look like? We don't have music anymore? Um, it's an after-school program, and it's a guy that volunteers and shows up and and helps the kids. <laughs> our middle school has a music program, but our school held on to all of the arts for a very long time until like the budget got cut so much that it was just impossible. Like we were cutting like office staff and a whole bunch of other things, and trying to hold on to drama because our plays were so good, and they just couldn't hold on to it and so they got rid of the music director um and so we don't have that stuff anymore because that's how it goes got something for me yeah
2: i mean i don't know that gives you insight to
1: that question okay so i'll read that first cool this is uh jasmine hill's question jasmine is saying uh i'm thinking about i'm starting to think about next year it will be my second year and i want to change so much regarding classroom procedures management etc Unfortunately, I will be teaching many of the same kids. I'm afraid that I'm afraid all my new ideas, plans, and procedures are going to backfire thoughts. So um Jasmine, that's an interesting idea. Uh, I, can you say what what grade are you teaching real quick too? that might not really play a part, but I'm wondering, because that is I'm gonna look for that real quick. Um, that I think that that is plays a part, right? Because, for instance, um, a few years um, ago, high school, high school. High school. All right, dude. All right. So that that totally plays a part. Uh, when I have ninth graders every single year, uh, my former ninth graders who are now in tenth grade always look back at the. They look into my classroom and they go, "What's wrong with these dudes?" Reynolds like these kids are crazy, and I'm like, "Yo, you guys were the same." way and they're like nah we weren't we weren't like this and it's like bro you guys are the same it's every year it's the age it's not the group of individuals now sometimes there's like more troublemakers in one class than than there were in another but overall it's like they're they're just uh it's it's largely the same so one year we had an experiment where myself and another teacher picked like i don't know 30 40 of of like the toughest kids from the ninth grade and we were going to teach them again in 10th grade with the idea being that we wouldn't have to like learn everyone's name, learn learn how they learn. Like we knew who they were going into this year. We spent a lot of time in their ninth grade year, really getting to know these kids. And then in 10th grade, we would be ready to like take off. There wouldn't be like a quarter of the year used up for review or figuring people out and their learning styles and all that stuff. And I'd say, for the most part, it was really great because the kids already knew you. You already knew who was a knucklehead. You already knew who could sit next to one another. You already knew, like that, it was um, that project-based learning worked really well for these kids. And these kids, the group projects really worked well for these kids. They had to work alone. It really gave you a lot of insight. And I think one, the other thing you'll find is that over the summer, you're going to find that you are rejuvenated. Um, by the time the school year goes back, even though it could be mid-August and you're like freaking out because you're thinking like, oh my gosh, I don't feel rested yet though. And some every year something kind of magical happens where I just feel like, all right, I'm ready to go back. So don't, don't let that this year kind of taint that. Like you could have a different mixture of kids next year. Sometimes it's the classes. Some I mean, look, anyone here could tell you like, I have students in classes that are a nightmare, and then other teachers will go, oh, I have that kid, he's great in my class, but it's because he's not with these two other dudes, right? It's like, um, it's, I was gonna make a science analogy, but I realized really quickly that that wasn't gonna work. Um, Then I've had classes where I have a group of kids and they're amazing, and someone else comes in, they're like, oh, I have some of these kids and they're terrible. But it's because the combination of students sometimes doesn't work. So I would say get excited anyway. Go in next year and try every single idea that you have because maybe you just wear them down also. Maybe you just get better. Maybe they just mature like they like they do every single summer. Um, when The fun part about having a YouTube channel is now some of these seniors can look back at what they were or who they were when they were much, much younger, and it is hilarious. They're like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. Like I used to – have my hair like that or I used to act like that or I used to say that kind of stuff and it's just the best. Uh yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay. Um already discussed, right? Yeah,
1: I discussed it with her already. She's amazing. Um so that that's what I would do. I I wouldn't get nervous about it at all. Just go full tilt into the, the new year and the new stuff that you want to do. Um Winter is asking, what are your ideas for keeping class going when you've covered your standards for the year? I would say what is some stuff that the kids are going to learn about next year? Like, can you get them prepped for, all right, this is how you're going to next level this, or what's something, is there anything that you want to teach next year that you want to experiment with? So I think one of my thoughts for next year for me to sort of like give you a visual, what this looks like is I don't want to teach Persepolis again. I feel like the first part of the book went really well. And the second part is always just kind of like loses its luster, However, we already have groups of, um, or class sets of V for Vendetta. And I think that could be a really great book. So I want to test it and we're going to read like the first few chapters of it with the freshmen this year. And it won't matter because they're not going to read it later on anyway. And then I'm going to attempt to work with the civics teacher to make like uh, so we can team teach this. So he's sort of teaching about the government piece that's in there. So a lot of that sort of stuff I don't have to cover in class. And then I'll just be able to read the book and we can read it for different reasons. But then those classes are working on something together. So right now in reading Persepolis, he is covering like the, uh, the revolution that happened in Iran during the time of the book that we're reading during the time of Persepolis. So it's, what's the
2: matter? Oh. Um
1: So it's just, it's better situation um, because we're both, teaching that together so i'm just going to experiment with that and i have a couple new hip-hop lessons that i want to experiment with that'll take like only a couple of days that we're going to try out and see how that goes as well so yeah i think just try out new stuff that you want to do next year and it gives you kind of a test run for it and if it fails or it goes up in a flaming ball of disaster who cares it was end of the year anyway and just let the kids know all right that didn't go well but uh we're trying stuff out like let's try something else and see how well this goes and maybe have the kids even have a say, like if they liked it or they didn't like it. Say, like, hey, help me out with this as we're getting into next year. Is your phone, like, dying?
2: Yeah, I have, like, 1%. Oh. It's not charging. My cord's not working. My very expensive cord that I purchased. Oh,
1: what about the one behind the couch? It's the one. Oh, snap. Maybe ask the kids. I don't I don't know. That's okay. Do you want me to sing
2: no, while I'm no, waiting for you? No, okay. I got a question. Oh,
1: uh, Samantha Caper? I think that's right. Caper. Kappa? Samantha is asking, uh, what do you do to move kids who are multiple years behind where they should be? this there doesn't appear to be any extra learning needs. She just needs just uh, she's just two years behind where she should be. So there's not any learning needs. Gosh, um and
2: why two years behind I know that's what I'm wondering. that's not right.
1: samantha, i would I would dig a little deeper into that, first of all, and maybe you already have, but I'll just say this for anyone else that might be in that position and then I'm gonna answer your question. If that's the situation, I might dig a little bit deeper, talk to your special ed office or whoever's involved in that that sort of piece and see like why, like why would a student be two years behind if they don't have any sort of like um, special education needs? If that's just the case for one reason or another, um, I would say, is there a way that you can sort of like differentiate their lessons? So like you're giving them I've had students like when I taught in Camden, I would often get students that were from Mexico or Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic or um, Nicaragua was another big draw for some reason. And they would come in not knowing English. And so they couldn't learn exactly what we were doing because they didn't know the language and so i would get them like graphic novels instead of reading the odyssey they read the graphic od- odyssey for the novel um i would often often get them audiobooks that they could listen along with i would often spend extra time with them after school or give them briefer lessons like instead of looking up or doing this much work they had to do this much work which was still like an equal amount of difficulty for them so but it was about trying to help kids like um sort of Bridge those gaps in what they were doing, and then maybe if there's some sort of online component. Um, I i don't use a lot of this, so maybe somebody else in the comments could, could speak to this, but like I don't, uh, because we don't, we're not one to one when the students are freshmen, they only get computers when they're in the 10th grade year. So it's uh, like what could you do to like, are there like online sort of resources to help that student sort of catch up? And what does that mean, catch up? Like, are they two years behind? And what are those markers that you're looking for? Is it reading speed? Is it general knowledge? Is it the ability to like comprehend something or synthesize something or annotate something? Like what is it that you're looking for? And then I would sort of help make a goal out for that kid so that they could catch up so that you know what those mile markers are for that student. Um, could you say anything else to that? Mm-hmm. You weren't even listening. No, I were You looking think, for
2: questions. I think that you answered it appropriately.
1: It's getting warm here. It's oh, just some ring light. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm on the sun. Um, all right. Melissa Ritchie is asking, uh, um, <laughs> can we have some real talk about grading? My least favorite part of my job. Any and tips and tricks to make it more bearable? Um. Look, I think grading, first of all, is – gosh, I have a lot to say about grading. How do I break this down? One, not everything needs to be graded. Although students only like to do things because they're graded, I don't grade everything. Sometimes I just grade for completion. Hey, you did the lesson today. Great. Um, and you got full points. Sometimes I just throw assignments away. Every Like, Like once a trimester, dude, I do this all the time. Once a trimester,
2: I I get
1: a monster load of papers right on my desk and I have to get through them. Right. Like right now, when I go in on Monday, I have so I collected two study guides on Friday that they had to do for this test. And for some reason made them do on Friday. Then they had a test, but I made it three parts and I have to grade all three parts on Monday. So it was like a ton of stuff for me to grade. I won't throw any of that out, but the study guides, I'll just grade them for completion. I'm it is not worth my time and effort. I should look here yeah. not you. Okay. Yeah. Um I
2: don't care what you're grading, uh, right. but they probably such, do. Such a
1: draw. <laughs> so uh so I, I would I can see your hood.
2: oh
1: um I, I don't I think sometimes it's like you learned it, right? You like put the work in, like whether or not you grade every single thing, it just doesn't matter all the time. I like to make grades though quick. Like i like to get them in as quickly as I possibly can so students have real feedback and I like to get them back to students, only the stuff that I actually want them to sort of look over again. Right. So sometimes I'll get, let's say, a vocabulary test or some 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 assignment that is more of a marker for me than it is for students. Right, so it really just lets me know: Are they getting this? So I don't have to grade all of it. If I get the sense that like most of the class is not retaining what I'm talking about or not understanding what I'm talking about, then I know I have to teach that thing again. So it's more of a marker for me and not always a marker for the students. And then try to make your grades actually meaningful, whether it's comments, whether it's you know. Uh, like I, I put comments a lot of times in the grade book. So if I write a comment on someone's assignment, I write it in the grade book also. So like, there's a little sign, um, cause we have online grade books, we use power school. And I leave comments for like, this is why a student got a zero because they got all the answers wrong and not because they didn't do the assignment. This was handed in this late. It was incomplete cause they only did half the assignment. So I try and put specific markers in there. Um, This was only a 60%, but the student did this much better than they did the last time. Those sort of things help parents to see also what those are so that the parents aren't like coming in saying, why is my kid failing? It's like, well, I've been sending home papers. Haven't you gotten any? And they say no. So it's that kind of a thing um, that helps as well. And then, yeah, and then just be mindful like of how much time you're putting into that because it really will burn you out and it makes you not want to do anything anymore. So I think making them making grades meaningful and then sometimes just giving grades for doing stuff also is is still cool. And I'm sure there's a hundred people out there that have a problem with that, but um, I don't know. And if you do leave a comment and we'll see what your argument is. My buddy Tracy Pinter is saying uh, I like that Tracy Pinter has a, has a wrench next to her name.
2: I mean, she's a moderator. I know,
1: but it's like,
2: did you never notice that before? No, I don't
1: know that I did, but it's just oh. like...
2: Oh. Yeah, when Kate comes in, she's a moderator.
1: Nice. Um, locally, there have been four or five teachers, superintendents exposed to inappropriate relationships with students recently. One teacher committed suicide on Friday. How do you deal with all the teacher bashing? Um, was that another part? Yeah. Oh, she was speaking to someone else. Yeah. I. I so look, anytime something like this happens where there's like uh there was a high school in our area uh that like a bunch of teachers were caught like texting with their students and it was like inappropriate texting and then i think that led to like sexting and then i think that might have led to something more than that but and i don't want to like not like you're going to figure out where the hell I'm talking about, but like um, I don't even want to put that kind of energy out there because I'm not exactly sure what happened after that. What I do know is that that those dudes went to jail after that. Um, And so, I mean, I've worked in those environments before we just hear about those stuff, whether about that stuff, whether it's at your school or someone else's school. The problem with that for me is that then when I want to give, cheesesteak and Cephas and Kent or whoever arrive ride home because they need it right because they live in a tough area like my guy Meeks um, Meeks is a security guard at my school he's a wonderful human being he drives certain kids to the train so they don't have to take the bus to the train because they know that that's a troubled area where like there's certain pockets where our kids have gotten jumped before they get beat up they get caught up in nonsense there's fights between rival schools so Meeks did you know this He just puts them in the Suburban and he drives them to the train station. And so I do the same thing. Cephas broke his foot last year. He has a couple of rods or screws or, I don't know, some foreign object in there. It's like that stuff Mm -hmm. from Wolverine. Um, But it is – so I drive them home because it's literally on my way. Like I would drive by them anyway. The problem is when this stuff hits the news – Then I, that, this is when I get comments or DMs from people that are like, are are you, do you feel like that's safe? Are you allowed to do that? It's like, yeah, they're 18. They're all bigger than me. And I have permission, like their parents all know. So when Cheese State got sick the other day, Cheese State got sick in school and he had like this ringing in his ear and his, his heart was hurting. And so, um, he was literally in tears at school and his mom was at work and his grandmom didn't have a car. And she said, is, can you just send him home? So, the nurse was like, well, how do I get you home? I don't want to put you on the bus if you don't feel like this. So she comes and gets me. He goes, I don't know. Reynolds always gives me a ride home. And the nurse was sort of like "It's like skeptical of that situation. And I was like, no, I give him a ride home every single day. Like, and it's totally fine. Like his family knows about it. So I just think that sucks. It's the same thing with eating lunch with your students. I mean, I've had teachers accuse me of stuff before, or not accuse me of stuff, but say like, you better be careful eating lunch in your room with all those students. Like, Bro, there's 30 kids in there. It looks like a frigging party every day. We're not like, you know, dealing with, like, it it is not that situation. And I think the hard part about that is too often in education, we deal with the lowest common denominator of, of person and then we base our rules and our regulations around that person. And look, there is definitely space to, like, I get where people are coming from. Like, if it had happened to my kid, maybe it might tune would be different. I don't don't really know, but I just hate that schools so often base rules around the lowest common denominator. So you have one person who comes in late all the time and we got to change the lateness policy. Like I'm a big believer that we should have as many sick days as we want. And if you take too many, guess what? Maybe you get like kicked out. Maybe you don't get to do it anymore. Maybe you, um, you get asked to leave or whatever, but like, don't like I take sick days because I got kids because my kids are actually sick or because my car broke down. Like I never just take a day to chill and that stuff sucks when that happens. And so, um, I hear you trace. It is like that kind of teacher bashing happens. And it's like, what, like, I just think people don't really know. They just like the world just doesn't really know. Like if they knew Cephas, if they knew cheesesteak, if they knew Romina, if they knew, Danny and Donovan and Rianne, if they knew all these kids, Crystal, that have stayed with us or come in, come to the house because they had a problem or come over for dinner or whatever, um, that would be like. It, it, they, they, I think they would they would change how they think about that. So I hear what you're saying, and I think it's just up to us to sort of like like barrel through that. Um, turtle, we see you. All right. You don't have to keep putting turtles on there, or I'm gonna put gum in your hair tomorrow in the class. Uh, Kimmy Morrissey is saying, hi, love, catching uh catching you live. Well, Kim, I'm glad that you made it. Uh, changing grade levels next year, going from fifth to third. I'm very excited. Any advice on where to begin starting a new position? So my first ask would be: Is anyone on here like can they speak to that? And the reason I I turn that to everyone else is I am from what I've heard from people, like, look, if you go from teaching ninth grade to 12th grade or even 11th grade, it's like not that different third to fifth. Those are some really big developmental years that I'm certain are much different, especially going from fifth down to third. So look, I mean, the, the advice that I could give is, one, I always think about like how engaging is your classroom look? Like what is someone, if someone looks in the door of your room, if you looked in the door of your classroom, would you want to be in there? I'd also try and like partner with someone that's already a third grade teacher, see what they're doing. What did the third grade teacher do last year? Like that was awesome. Or who's the best third grade teacher in your school or in your district? Can you go observe them before the end of the year, even for part of the day to just kind of like get the vibe of what that looks like? Um, and then I think, uh Going on our Facebook group, the Real Wrap with Reynolds Teacher Talk Facebook group, you can just drop that question in there and maybe partner with some people that you can keep up with. So in the times that I've peeked in there, like there's definitely people that like are Spanish-speaking teachers or teachers in Mexico, which might be the same thing, um, or teachers that teach science. Like you're finding sort of like your group to keep up with as time goes on and support one another. And that's just kind of the meeting place for that to happen. So that that's what I would do. And I, I mean, yeah, I don't have, I think that's, I'm sticking with that's good enough advice. I don't yeah, have. I
2: think that's great advice. I mean, we have a third grader, our daughter's in third grade, and her biggest complaint is that there's just not enough fun. They just go from location to location to location. There's not enough like hands-on, it's worksheet, worksheet. Yeah, worksheet. and when you're that young,
1: it's tough to yeah. do that because it's like, You need that outlet. You need something else to do. We're Um, down to one phone now because the wife for life's phone died, even though we paid for this really expensive cord that
2: apparently sucks. Or it's the outlet. I don't know. I
1: think it's the outlet.
2: Um, Say my
1: house is (laughs) jacked. So dumb. That was dumb.
2: uh,
1: I'm just waiting for a question. So maybe um, musical interlude.
2: Someone did have a request for Akuna Matata, I think. <laughs> <clears throat> no. Me, 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 me.
1: All right. Uh Emily White is asking <laughs> when you started out in your career did you struggle with disrespect from students? I teach 11th and 12th grade and I feel like the respect issue occurs even more due to my age, 23. Any tips? Yes. Uh so gosh, my first year I had a student named Jamie that I asked to I don't know why. I asked him to step out of class or something like that. And he got so mad. He picked up all the stuff on his desk and shucks it across the room, and then cursed at me and walked out. And then nothing happened to him; he didn't get in trouble or anything. At another time, that a student was picking on a student that um, was—I don't even—I don't even remember what their situation was, but it was uh, the kind of kid like whether they had Aspergers or autism or something. The kind of kid that's generally off limits. Like at this point in my career, I tell people like certain dudes are off limits; you're not allowed to make fun of them at all. And they so he was like on the low teasing this kid and bullying them. And so I confronted him about it, told him he had to leave the class and he couldn't come back until like you learned how to respect that student. We could talk about what that could look like after class and like got right in my face, wanted to fight me. And then that nothing ever happened to that student either. Even at my current school, my first year I had all the football team and the basketball team in the same class. And they were to this date, one of the worst class if the worst class i've ever taught in my life you can go babe. don't make a big deal of it you're good um so they um she was trying to be so silent walking by like a little ninja um so i just think like over time you figure out that there are only a certain number of types of kids right like like the kids that i have this year that are a problem i've seen it all before like i've seen hundreds of you already so it's not that big of it. See, my kids run like they have concrete
2: <laughs> feet. Do. They just like.
1: I don't get it. It's like you just see your water shaking like it's Jurassic I Park. So I think you just learn to deal with those types of kids and you just get better at it. I don't think it's an age thing necessarily because, look, I mean, look, when you were in high school and you were 16 or 17, like you thought 23 was old as hell. And. I, so I think that it's more just experience and learning how to deal with those types of kids. And so next year, you'll see like when those dudes come in and you're like, oh, wait, this is just like last year. And you just start figuring out better and better ways to handle that stuff. So and you're just new. So seeing the same faces over and over again, that really does buy you a lot of credit from people where they're like, um, I, I, at this point, I really live off my reputation in a lot of ways that in that first full day of school, when the ninth graders are in there and all the seniors come back and they're coming in and giving me love and hugs, and shaking my hand. And the younger guys are like, wait, you know him? Like the quarterback from the football team? Like, yeah, it's my bro. Like this is my homie from four years, three years ago, man. Um, Of course I know that guy. Or when their older brothers are or cousins that went to the school before see me like it just you live off that reputation and so you can do that as well and it's it's a real thing you want to plug oh all right that's cool um what was i gonna ask What was i gonna say uh real quick so i have a sort of critical mass of viewers right now so like I, I want to share this with everyone just so you know on when i think we were tried to set this up before when we did the scholastic john so like I just put out a video uh, where I talk about Scholastic Magazine. It was not teacher talk video. I don't even know which one it was. I can't oh even, I can't remember the titles of these things all the time. because
2: we do so many.
1: In the comment section, I don't need you to watch it. I don't need you to like it. I don't need you to leave like extravagant comments. What I want to do is give someone uh, a year-long subscription to Scholastic Magazine. I partnered with them, and they said they wanted to do this for you all. So all you have to do is go in there, leave. The first word scholastic and then leave a comment about anything that you wish. And then um, we will pick a winner at random on Wednesday. Can you write that down so we don't forget? Mm -hmm. Because We forget a lot of stuff lately. Uh, I'm telling you, the more and more this thing grows, this business grows, it is is hard to not forget stuff. On Wednesday, we're going to pick someone. And I will put it in my uh, YouTube stories. So you'll see it. Like I'll post it. I'll put like a post in the YouTube story. So you'll see who it is. Then all I need that is for that individual to email me um, at real Rap with Bell Reynolds at gmail.com. And I'll send you free of uh, the free year membership. And that's the lesson plans. It's the online stuff. It's the magazine. It's like it's a really great deal. And so, yeah, how to teach every student is that it's me and my kids on there. So it's this one right here which you can't really see because i'm not good at holding things up apparently um so just go on there all you have to do is put first word scholastic and leave a comment and then i'll see that we'll put them all into whatever
2: it's like a random thing, thing my
1: wife uses and it picks out a name and then that person will get
2: we'll put um, it on the Scott's stories name. and we'll also do it on instagram that way if you're follow us on instagram
1: yeah that's cool. So yeah, we'll do it on there. So we'll try and make, on both places. Yeah. So it'll
2: be on stories on both yeah. platforms. Because
1: sometimes people win stuff, and I don't do a lot of giveaways unless no, someone so just the did. last
2: person they never emailed us. Yeah, we commented back and said that they won. Yeah, but they never.
1: So it's tricky out here. Okay, you know what I mean.
2: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, let's keep going. Um oh, wait, no, wait, I didn't wait. pick
2: a question because I'm Unicor- like down. A I thought Unicorn De
1: Rock had a question. Oh yeah, she did. Sorry. She said, "What are you currently loving? Books, TV, podcast." Um, TV Game of Thrones. I mean, come on, who's not watching Game of Thrones right now? Um, I just started
2: Castle Rock, and that's that seems
1: good. And yo, our favorite show. Like, I don't watch a lot of shows anymore. I used to. When we, I feel like we went from no television to we had kids, and you were like, "It's six thirty, and we have to be quiet. What could we possibly do?" We watch TV. Back to Um, no TV. I think the Karate Kid show Cobra Um, Kai on YouTube is like one of the best things on TV. It is so. It is the perfect amount of cheesiness and awesomeness, and it is just great. I really, really love it. And then podcasts I listen to, I have like um, the ones I listen to the most are Tim Ferriss's podcast. I listen to Joe Rogan, depending on who's on, all of them, depending on who's on, what the topic is. Uh, Rich Roll, I listen to who else? Um, you don't even know,
2: I wasn't a lot no. of impact theories.
1: Impact theory, Jim
2: Quick is one of our new favorites. Yeah,
1: Jim Quick is. I posted about him on Instagram the other day about reading, he's really fascinating. Um, other TV, when I'm just watching YouTube, I watch a lot of this dude, Monty Don, which is on the BBC. He's a gardener and I love gardening, so I watch that. <laughs> and my kids want to fall asleep when I have it on. And then, books I'm reading right now, um, Barking to the Choir by uh, Father Gregory Boyle, which is my favorite. And I just need to read that once a year. And then I was reading I Feel Great and You Will Too, which is also which is by Pat Croce, who used to be the president of the 76ers. Um, and I will, I will meet that dude one day. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting down to it. So, yeah. Um, that's that.
2: What? Someone says, I don't even know what Game of Thrones is. Oh, my. It's I'm a great show. i to break it watch down it. for
1: you. Game of Thrones is the greatest show because... They're not afraid to kill off whoever the main characters are, mm-hmm. and that is that's a given, right? Like on Boy Meets World, like friggin' no one that was major ever got hurt or killed or anything like that, right? <laughs> if you watch any number of like like top shows, they don't get rid of their main people. Game of Thrones is not afraid to do that. One of the reasons here, this is a really good like point, real quick, because I tell my students this all the time. the The thing that's so that makes shows great, right? Whether it's Battlestar Galactica is one of my favorite shows and I have a lot of kids that laugh at me for that because they think I'm going to end up at Comic-Con I'm going to be dressing up in like, you know, costume and like living in my mom's basement eating Funyuns and like, you know, collecting Pokemon cards or something. Um, But the thing is, it is, it's not, it's not that there's dragons, not that there's magicians, like that that stuff I don't care. Like Battlestar Galactica, they were in space, living on a spaceship, seemed real nerdy, I didn't want to watch it. It is the human experience that's just told through the lens of that, that sort of narrative, whether it's like mystical or it's magical or it's, you know, science fiction. It's this human experience that we all connect with. And that's what it is in the story. It is the connection between the characters. It is loyalty. It's pride. It's family trouble. It's all that stuff wrapped up that makes it so great. And they just do a really good job. And they just happen to have dragons in it, which are badass also, but, you know, not generally my thing. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea, I'm. there's no way I'm going to be able to say it. No, Yes, I am. I'm going to be able to say it. Naemic? Naeem? Na- I don't know. I'm, uh, I tried. Uh, Chelsea is saying, hello, I'm a middle school English and religion teacher in Michigan. Your videos helped me uh, get into subbing, which led to teaching. Thank you for all you do.
2: Oh, first, oops. That's not a
1: question. But not... well, first of all, it's really nice. I really appreciate it. And that's great. Um, teaching religion. Wow. That would be fantastic. Really. Sorry. Bizarre. I think I would like that. I'm just going to wait.
0: Uh, mm, <laughs> got it. <All> right.
1: Um, <laughs> that was a different Lion King mm-hmm. one than someone requested. But, um, uh, <clears throat> KB123 is saying, um, currently... Reading Chains by Lauren Anderson with my seventh grade class, realistic fiction about slavery during the American Revolution. Any advice for teaching novels and getting students engaged? I think so. I've, I know who I know who that author is, but I don't I've not read that book. I would say that whenever I'm doing something that is like um, fiction, but based in reality, I try to pull from as many movies and secondary sources as I can. So before we read Lord of the Flies, I want to explain to the students that like William Golding was in the Second World War. He was at D-Day, like and how much that affected who he became in the future. How much that affected um like his views on on man and how like some people are just evil, how like like humans really have this evil piece to them. And left to their own devices, they will lean towards that and they will become evil. And so when my students and I have a conversation about that, and then I showed them the opening scene from Saving Private Ryan was one of the first things we watched. And to see like, these are just people. Like these guys on these boats are like English teachers and barbers and trashmen and carpenters and deli workers. And now they've been given a gun and told who the bad guy is. And so they have to go after them. And so when we see... Dudes getting their arms blown off. People set on fire. People like are alive one second. They're dead the next. And how maybe is he right? Right. Like let's lean into that a little bit and explore that conversation. But it takes that visual and that's a really powerful visual. So is there anything, I mean, slavery, there's tons of interesting stuff out there, like maybe going to a museum, maybe having someone come in and speak about that, maybe having African drummers come in and, and Um, talk about the history of the African drums or African dancers come in and speak about what it is that they do and why they do it and how that ties into their heritage and what this meant for folks back, you know, when this was um, when slaves weren't allowed to tell their stories. So they told it through dance. Maybe there are certain powerful moments in movies that are not exactly what you're reading, but it's close enough that it will help the kids connect And on that heart level with the book that they're reading. And I think that's what engages readers. You have to create that interest. And I think that's one of the ways that you do it is I use, you know, movies or, or other people that are just interesting um, to come into my class and speak to my students. I
2: think that's interesting because that's a lot of visuals because I love Jim Quick and I'm on a Jim Quick kick. Um, Oh, Jim Quick kick, I know, right? Um, He talks about how a lot of like, it's necessary for it to connect to memory. For it to connect to emotion and visuals, like aids are like the two biggest things that help it connect to memory.
1: Yeah, because when you're when you connect with something on a heart level, it doesn't become like it's not it's not something you're aggravated about. Like if you love, like I love just
2: out there. Yeah,
1: it's you. It connects to something, Mm -hmm. and I think then connecting what you're reading to what your students have been through. Right, so like they haven't lived through slavery, but I mean, there's there's a thousand things you could talk about from even on a base level of talking about um, things that are unfair, talking about juvenile lifers that have been in prison, talking about um, the way that sort of like uh, black and brown folks are still viewed through the media or through social media or through um, comic books, television, movies. Like I have a friend that teaches at school and talks about this a lot. And so like tapping into those resources as well. Uh, Jasmine Hill is asking... What is the line between providing a study guide for tests and exams and giving the kids the questions uh, and answers to the test? I hate giving them study guides, but our school highly encourages it. I, I think study guides are good in that it is a good summary of like, look, if it takes five weeks to read a novel, right? We generally I block my novels out for a five week period that's a long time to remember stuff from. So sometimes when you get to the end of the book, the kids forget what exactly happened in the at the beginning of the book. So it just helps them to sort of like organize that information um, in a way that you're not trying to trick them. Even if they looked it up online, like that's, it's not a big deal because like if you were in college and you, had, you like, you could look that information up online too. So you're not like setting them up for failure. It's just going over again. Like what was the timeline in the book? What sort of things happened, And then on the test, doing something with that my tests never are just regurgitating or remembering what happened in the book um sometimes i'll have or a lot of times i have closed reading so there's a closed reading section on there also and the students read the closed reading passage sometimes it's from the book that we just read and they have to pull out things like is on this line at this part is this an example of symbolism or um I don't know, metaphor or simile or irony or whatever, like that's what I'm fishing for is like answers to that so they can see it in there and or they can um, like use context clues to figure out like what was Ralph or Jack trying to say in this particular paragraph or having a secondary close reading and that is about something different, but there are connections to the book. Like in what way is this sort of like how Ralph and Jack's argument went at the end of the book, whatever, but you're taking two different, um sources and you're connecting you're making the kids like find those connection pieces but if they can't remember everything that happened in the book that's going to make that difficult so just reminding them um and we do that in a lot of ways i do study guides i do review games i show things like thug notes i really like um because my kids get a kick out of it i sometimes like just find spark notes uh has videos that like recount the whole story and that just helps folks that have poor memory or like weren't paying attention in the beginning and they because they didn't have interest yet. and Now they do. So it, that's why I do it. Uh, Laura Filler is asking, this is my first year teaching at uh, RTC. What's RTC? Can you say, uh, Laura, can you tell us what RTC is? Because I don't know off the top of my head. Um, do you have any recommendations for sources teaching trauma-filled students? Thanks. Oh. Where would we send them for? Does anyone else have an answer to that? So uh, answer, the question is recommendations for resources teaching trauma-filled students. I'm trying to think of like, I've really learned through my own experiences, I think. Like, I don't know that I've learned how to do this from anywhere.
2: No, I think the key to to trauma-filled, like, those sort of students... Like, benefit from like counseling and therapy and all that sort of stuff. But what do you, like, as a teacher,
1: do when I, they're yeah. coming in and you're like, you're still dealing with you, the repercussions of for sure. that? Sure,
2: I think you have to teach through the lens of self reflection or like to try and teach through. I don't, I mean, I don't know. So, look,
1: somebody else may have a more official and better answer. Here's my answer to this I find, and this is going to be me repeating myself like I do a lot, but um, I think it's through building relationships, and this is why. I think giving kids a space to talk about what's going on and to make them feel comfortable in your room helps them to kind of get through that stuff. I think that remembering that your attention is far more important than your advice is really important too. So you can listen to a student and they can tell you about something awful that happened in their in their life. Um, and you don't have to have an answer for that. You can just say, that really sucks. And I want you to know I'll be there with you through this is an answer, right? And it's like, you don't have to say like, here's what you should do with it. Because sometimes there's nothing you can do with it. You have a kid that was, you know, molested or a kid that their parents left them or a kid that, you know, lost someone to gun violence. Like you don't have an ant, You're not gonna be able to tell them what to do. That's going to make it better. That what makes it better is time and not crushing it down inside of you. And so giving kids a safe space to just show up and talk about it again and again and again and again for years to come is the move. Um, I think maybe going to your um Guidance counsel at your school or something like that, asking if they have any sort of connections. Um, again, the teacher R- real Rap with Reynolds teacher talk on Facebook might have some answers in there too. But I think it's really just about giving those kids safe spaces um, because kids are really resilient and they will bounce back from things like like in a way that I think we forget. But it is helping kids realize that being vulnerable is okay, sharing your story is important, and not letting them hold on to that and bury it deep down because they think that's going to be the answer. And it's just not. Um, And I only know that from like going through my own counseling. Like I've been in spiritual direction for years. I've uh, had a, you know, mom that I trusted like, and it has been through my own hard work that I've learned that that is the answer. And, but, but I don't know that from like, I didn't write a book on it or something like that. I just, it just happens to be one thing that I'm like sort of naturally gifted at um the vegan teacher jl is asking mr rounds if you can of course i can how do you how do you have more presence in the class if you're a laid-back sarcastic teacher uh or if anyone has advice i am extremely sarcastic and very laid-back in my class i think that the the reason I win in my classroom and I don't have a lot of disruptions and I don't have a lot of like classroom management issues is because the kids know where I'm coming from. They know that I'm, that I tell students all the So turtle, that's always on here. I make fun of turtle constantly. And, but he knows because I tell him, I don't like hope that he figures it out that I really like him. I think he's a really likable kid. Um, So just make fun of him. Like that's just what I do. It's kind of like, I don't know I think of myself as like when two like dogs just bite each other but they're not trying to hurt each other or something like that um (laughs) I've never been a kid but you know like that was a weird analogy it was weird all right but that's what I was thinking of because I was watching that gardening show today with those two dogs on it so I think um that explaining to my students like why I'm like that like, I'm like this. I don't have rules. I have one rule in my class that is give respect and get respect. That's it. I don't have to have 50,000 rules because I know, but I explain to the students why. I explain to them why we're doing the work. I explain to them why... I don't always teach from the front of the room. One of the things you don't see this in videos a lot is I sit in desks. I put kids in the front of the room and I sit in a desk or I sit on the side of the room and I put my feet up when we're having a conversation because I want that vibe to be that like, you we're just having this conversation right now. Like this is what's important to me right now. And this is, and you are important. So I'm going to like, just sit down and chill and listen to your answer real quick. Like, go ahead. What do you have to say? And that is a place from where I sort of like conduct the class. So it's not just about me like standing in the front and like hold, like holding, holding court over my class, thanks buddy. Um, but it is, these are why I'm doing this. And so I think also expressing the students like why you're doing anything is just important. So that's what I would do. I, I, I think that's how I win, but the students have to know that <clears throat> laid back doesn't equal lazy. That um, being sarcastic doesn't mean being mean. I tell kids all the time, last point is that the, you know, one of the reasons I'm so out of pocket in class, I say the craziest stuff to students is because school's boring and because I want to like disrupt that sort of education, you know, and if I tell them, if you pay attention, kids that I don't think can handle it, I don't make fun of them. There's tons of kids and they're lovely human beings. I just like, they just don't respond to that. Or if, I don't get along with someone so well. I just, I don't do that either. Like, it's really like a point, like, if you have a nickname or if I make fun of you, like it's usually like a, it's usually based in love. And that's where that comes from. So like I say, pay attention, like, look, I don't mess with this dude, I'll mess with this dude, I'll mess with this dude, but all of these dudes, like they get the same treatment as you do. And so that is, helps students kind of see. Sometimes you have to like lay it out in front of them for them to really understand where you're coming from. Um, R Revis is asking, that's a, what is that profile picture is very interesting kind of love it um hello how is it possible that high school seniors do not know how to write properly uh that's a great question here's here's a, even i'd like to take that a step further my children who are in elementary school are they do nothing but learn there's no time for fun there's literally Shut they out. have seven minutes on the playground a, a day that's if they're allowed to go outside seven minutes that's it and then the rest of it is learning from eight to three like like one thing after another but then when they get to high school they're not like any smarter they're not like doing any their work isn't any better uh so I don't know my guess is they don't care right like until we can get kids to really understand why they would want to write well they're not going to write well and so I didn't I probably didn't write well either but then I got into college and I had Like, I was just failing. And I realized I had to go to tutoring on my own to to the like after hours place that the school provided so I could get free tutoring. And I had to go every single week. And I realized, like, when when I have some of those papers now, when I look back at them, I realize how terrible they were. But I didn't have a why. I didn't have a reason. And once I had a reason that I wanted to go to college and I knew what I was going for, like, I wanted to be a teacher, now I had a reason why I was doing anything. And so it's kind of like, you know, and then really being able to believe that you could do that, that you could get there, that it was important. Like, why doesn't anyone like, why don't most people have apps? Cause they just don't think that they don't have a why they don't have a reason to, for why they should have apps or that why it's important. Um, so I just, I think that's true with a lot of things, but it is also, you know, I think a lot of it is it's a broken school system and the system only teaches to one type of student. And so, so someone said this the other day, let me break it down like this. Was this, maybe, maybe this was uh, Jim Quick also, but they said, maybe not, whoever, they said, if Rip Van Winkle, right, this old story, Rip Van Winkle, the guy fell asleep for like decades, if he woke up now, I think that, I think that was written in the early 1900s. If he woke up now The only thing that he would recognize is the public school system because it's the same exact thing, largely, that it's always been. Sit in a row, teacher in the front, teacher centered, not student centered, like all these things. Like if you walk into a classroom now, largely looks the same um, for the majority of students. And so I think that's probably part of the problem as well. Melissa Kruger is asking, uh, what transitions have you witnessed people make from – teacher to another profession, preferably one that builds on utilizing their background. I have had to get out of uh, teaching early on due to health issues. So Melissa, I think um, there's quite a few things that you could do, but they all are based around teaching, right? So like if I didn't teach anymore and I didn't have YouTube going on, I think I would definitely get into some sort of tutoring where I would like be able to really Hone in on kids, really help students one on one. And I think you can make like a decent living doing that. There are people that charge, you know, $50 to $100 an hour for tutoring. And that's in a lot of people's cases a lot more than teaching. There are things like um, Dada ABC that I worked with before. So you can, if you type Dada into the search engine on my channel, D A D A. Uh, the, the video will pop up and that's online tutoring for students in China. It's completely scripted. It's really easy to do. I've had Stephanie Henry, who was on here, did it for a while, uh, maybe still doing it. I have no idea. They pay like $30 an hour. Um, I would find some sort of after school program or something along those lines. But I would definitely, if I if I didn't work for the school system, I would 100% work for myself and I would build that um. Build that audience so that, especially then, I could be home with my kids during the day while they're getting homeschooled, and then I could just kind of like work in the after-school hours. And that—that's what I would do. Somebody else might have another answer to that as well, but I'm not sure. Uh, There's
2: a lot. I don't know if they're all separate. There's okay. One, two,
1: three. Starting. Okay, starting at the top. Yeah, so Chelsea, that. I see three things, but I'm gonna uh, see if they're connected. Um, Reynolds, I have a question. I am a new teacher, and I am struggling to wrap my head around what my students should actually know going into high school in regards to English and reading? Because you're a freshman English teacher, what are the fundamental things that an eighth grader should know or be able to do in high school? Um, what value should I work on to instill in them? I know this might be a silly question, but I didn't get my uh, bachelor's degree in education. So I'm going to fast track route so I can be able to teach, thanks. Uh, so it's gonna depend on your school um one of the things i hope for in my student look like like my guys come in and they can't really they a lot of times they can't read to any length and this isn't a diss like the eighth grade teacher for our middle school is excellent but she doesn't teach all the students like they come from all over the city i find that my students can't read for any length of time and that my students can't find engagement in books my students can't remember what they read because they read uh five pages and they read it, they just don't know what they just read uh, because they haven't learned that skill. I think that my students have trouble like connecting what they're reading to any real world necessary situation. Like it's always about like, well, why do we have to do this? Or can I go to the bathroom? All we're doing is reading right now. So there's no value they see in that. So I I think um, there's a hundred things they could know I just think a lot of those skills are not that hard to teach. Um, It is a matter of doing them over and over and over again. So what I would do is talk to the grade level before, talk about what they, so if you're teaching ninth grade, I make sure that I know what the eighth grade teacher was teaching. So I have a sense of like what these students are coming in with and then talk to your current ninth grade teachers to find out what they are teaching to get that curriculum because the school should offer you the curriculum. And then even if they don't, talk to the 10th grade teacher about what do they want them to know next year. So then you're, you know what they're coming in with, you know what you should be teaching and then you are getting them ready for the next year as well. <clears throat> in my school, especially when my friend uh, Randy was teaching at my school, um, he taught 10th grade, I taught ninth grade. And so we drove to school together every day. Every day we had conversations about like what we were doing in class, what, we, what this curriculum should look like. And I was sort of gearing everything I do is literally gearing the kids up for that 10th grade class next year. In, in ninth grade, I feel like it's a lot about survival, especially at our school, we're a college prep school and kids are not ready for that level of, of of work, of things being that difficult or that that amount of work. And so it's getting them into that so that they can then crush it in the 10th grade and beyond. So that's what I would do. Connor. Um, Got it. Connor is asking, I am a third year math teacher and have always found that I struggle with pacing and never cover all of what I'm supposed to because uh, I want to make sure that they know everything that they, that I have taught really well. You said there's another one underneath. Oh, how do you balance this issue? You know, Connor, that is tricky, right? It's like um, the train keeps moving, but we don't want to leave anyone behind, right? No child left behind. I think. I'm wondering if, look, I, this is a tough question to answer because it's not my school, but if in my school, this is what I would do. Maybe you can find some sort of inspiration in this and figure out what you would do next or what you would do instead. If I have students that are really struggling, I try to meet with those students after school, during lunch, before school, and then try and keep them moving forward so they're not getting so far left behind. And that sometimes takes like going to students and requiring them to spend that extra time or if I can set the class up so that when they're doing independent work they're kind of moving on I can sit with those students and make it a little bit um more palatable something that they can actually take in so I'm thinking gosh um, and then that way the lessons are moving forward, but you're trying to, to bridge that gap as much as you can, or you're, gosh, I'm I'm really trying to think of like what this is a different, it's, it's a hard question to, to answer in theory because I feel like real world actual application would be easier. So like if I knew um, I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure how to answer this because I'm not sure like what the grade level is, what the subject is, like what the problem is. Um, I I think, look, I would say also that it's probably gonna be an ongoing issue, right? Like you're never gonna get like the best at it but you'll figure out other ways to kind of deal with it. I think it really comes down to like individualizing some of your lessons. So you identify those students on the front end and then you see like, maybe they do less problems. Maybe they do different kinds of problems. Maybe you're grading them differently. Um, but it isn't always our situation to fix, right? But we do help manage the situation and then reach out and see what other resources exist in the school. Like, is there someone that's willing to tutor that child after school? Does the special ed department have somebody that's willing to work with that particular student? Is there an extra math class in lieu of going to, you know, something else during the day um, to help that kid out to get them up to where they need to be? So I would have that conversation with more folks in school like more staff and or or resources in your school and just see what's possible and then if you do that and you can't find it like come back on let us know or shoot me an email and i'll try and direct you to something but i'm sorry that i don't feel like it's not very good it's not the best answer
2: i kind of left you end on that answer what's that do you know what i end on that question then? yeah what do
1: you got give me one more
2: <laughs> i can't end on that one because oh,
1: but I, i'm so yeah that sucks man i
2: Go to the Some office. of Here's what
1: we need to do. I really think that we need to Gary V this situation and like have people like
2: phone calls. They can
1: phone us in, and we can like have them on, and then I can like go back and forth a little bit. With we people.
2: actually would ask if I don't know. Would do that, that be
1: interesting to anyone? There's we have a
2: business bunch line of people. That I don't
1: even use. We have a business line. Would it be valuable to people? What if like and it doesn't have to be every question, but if you wanted to call up, you could put your question on here. You could put your phone number. And you could call, we could call you and we would answer your question like live on the live stream. And and that way, if you have a question that I can't answer um, with just your question, like there's, I have prompting questions, like what would you be into? Would you, would, do you think that's a good idea? Um, would you feel safe? Is it weird to put your phone number on there? Like, I, I don't know, like. I,
2: I think you just have to run the course like if you want to put it if you we only want to
1: get it. like one weirdo a week on here everyone else seems like i just it's think it's like romance. one of
2: those things like if you if you want to do that you just run the risk of like yeah. someone else grabbing your number which i well, usually we have all pretty good stuff on here i don't yeah. know if that could be a problem
1: so but. let me know i'll, I'll read all these uh the unicorns is saying yes a 100 times right. but um say eight hundred Reynolds. One
0: eight
2: hundred. I mean, we really miles. could do that. What's that? The, never mind. There's so anyway, if
1: you want, if you think that's a good idea, just leave it in the comment section, and I'm going to check those out, and then um, that can be something that we try and do. So Rob Smith uh, is saying hello, mate. Rob's in Australia, I think. Uh, is asking, um, help. Want to help me answer this question? What are you freaking He's out
2: waiting.
0: about? I'm waiting. waiting. waiting so I was. With- why did you not say hi, Brody, when I was tweeting? Didn't notice somebody it. was it's also like, "Oh, were
1: you on the comment section?" Yes,
0: like? I was saying hi, Daddy.
1: Oh, I don't, I didn't get to see it.
2: Well, unicorns rock, and Tracy uh, okay.
1: responded. Oh, Look. there's was pretty. Hi, Mom. <laughs> and
0: also, somebody asked. All right, oh, answer ended. that poor person's question? Somebody right, asked me. Uh, asked me, "How, how school? And it is doing bad." <laughs> Ah, your your mom says you
1: you don't mean your haircuts this week don't we um all right so let's see what rob's question is here bro uh i'm supplying i'm supply for a low abilities group and a main teacher has been off with stress for the year crying in the staff room and stuff um a challenging school for behavior how do i re-engage the disengaged how do you pull kids back in that are having a hard time in class uh if they hate class, if they don't want to be and they're not understanding what's going this. on. I would I'm gonna give you an answer too, Rob, but
0: I would uh I actually don't know. I like I would say like just bro, you just just you only have to stay here for seven hours or so. It's okay, you seven. can go through it, just take one for the team, which my mom always says for me. All right.
1: That's fair enough. <laughs> I would say this. I would say Get to know what those students are interested in. Try and teach through that lens would be my number one thing, right? So whatever your kids are into, whether it's soccer or if you are in Australia, football, if you, if it's a certain video game, a certain movie, whatever it is, and then teach through that lens, right? So last week we were reading um, – we were talking about internal external conflict and we related it to uh, – well, infinity war for avengers not Endgame, because not everyone saw that movie
0: yet. Yeah, I saw that. and
1: so we were talking about when thanos had to push gamora off the cliff and how that was an internal conflict right because he was struggling on the inside of whether or not he should do that and then the external conflict was him actually pushing her off the cliff right that that's one way two i think is talking to kids about why they go to school like making them realize like what is this actually useful not just for the test that's for like in your life you're gonna have to know how to do this but like what is actually important to them now like do you want something better for your family do you want to be able to take care of yourself do you want to have like what do you want in your life and then how does this lead to that i think that is the answer um I on your lap. Can, well, let me ask you this. No, because I'm going to get off in just a second. Do you have any parting thoughts? Because you say really great stuff to me all the time. Like, what what, should, what do you want to leave these teachers with as they go into their week that would
2: motivate them?
0: Uh, I would, uh, if the kids are, like, having a really moody day, just, like, I'd say, like, like just have, like, the teacher go, like, to McDonald's or something and get a whole entire Happy Meal. Or like have a movie on, or uh, play Fortnite and take turns on a phone.
1: You think, so interrupt the day with something fun mm-hmm. and something unexpected? And if
0: the principal says, don't do that, just say okay, and then just go back to what you were doing. Oh man,
1: now on you like your dad. Um, So should they do that the whole day or do you think just part of the day that would be good?
0: Part of it. Like in the middle of the day and then a little bit at the end of the day.
1: So just like surprise them with fun in the middle of the day. Do you think kids would do work harder if you surprise them with some fun in the middle of the day?
0: Yeah. Actually, I would do like any time. Like if they're like they won't realize it. Like if it was at the beginning of the day. And then it was, like, the middle of the day or the end of the day or half of
1: the middle of the day and everything. Okay. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. That's it. So, look, if you're still on here, the thing I want you to know at the end of this is, one, um, Real Rap with Reynolds Facebook uh, page is up, and you can go on there, and it's a closed group, and no one else is going to see your comments because we allow or disallow people to be in there. Two, um, if you – want a free year of Scholastic magazine for your school or for your classroom. Please go to that last um, post that we did. It's the thumbnail with me and my kids in it. And just go on there. First word leave in the comment section is Scholastic and then leave a comment. Um, You're really really jittery. And that way you'll get a free magazine. You will be able to say something in a second. Um, You get a free year of that magazine. And then Look, if if this isn't enough for you and you feel like you need more mentoring, that's a service that we provide. Also, you can go into real rapwithreynolds.com or if you want me to speak your school, um, just hit me up and we can set that up as well. Cause people are already starting to plan for the summer and for all that stuff to get ready for next year. What do you want to leave these people with in the,
0: ten seconds
1: to, and we'll go? If
0: you're new to this channel, oh. hit this hit this hit the like button, also hit subscribe and hit the, the bell for notifications. When you wanna know when my dad comes on a new video. Also, you can also do this at my channel. We don't have that much because my dad he already right.
1: Don't throw me fun- under the bus. Don't let these people go. They got on work his to do.
0: Channel. So have a nice so have a nice weekend this tomorrow and go subscribe to my channel. Bye.
1: Alright. Awkward ending. Thanks guys.
0: Bye. Bye.